Dear listeners, this is Elena Schulz-Gimeno from EIS Communications Department. Welcome to a new Advoices podcast. Did you ever think about teachers as leaders? Here at EI, that's definitely the way we see them. They have to handle the classroom, they have to design their own curriculum that is adapted to their students' needs, and they have to develop their professional career. All these challenges are faced by educators worldwide during their working life. During our Unite for Quality Education and Leadership Conference in Rotterdam last May, we invited two experts to discuss this issue. Andy Hargreaves from the Lynch School of Education at Boston College and Sean Slade, Director of Outreach at ASCD. Enjoy! I'm Sean Slade, I'm the Senior Director of Global Outreach at ASCD and with me um, is Andy Hargraves, who's the Brennan Chair in Education at the Lynch School at Boston College. So welcome, Andy. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. Um, one thing we've been talking about here at this EI conference, um, Unite for Education, is the, the work around teacher leadership and how leaders do not need to have titles necessarily such as um, principals and assistant principals and so forth. So I wanted to get your take on um, teacher leadership. Thanks, Sean. It's, uh, I think if we go back about um, 20 years in, in most countries, uh, particularly places like uh, the, the UK, US, uh, we, we used to think there are uh, people who taught and then uh, once you've taught for a few years as a regular classroom teacher, you were looking for a bit more money or a bit more responsibility or opportunity. You might be thinking about becoming a, a principal or a head sometime. So you'd uh, get a promotion to a position of uh, responsibility and uh, that would put you in charge of some things, in charge of some people sometimes and you'd get a bit of extra money in return for that. And that was how we got the work of the school done, and we handed out uh, we handed out curriculum and went through materials, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it was a clear what is often called a flat career in teaching. It mm. provided a progression for people. Since since then, two things have happened. Uh, I think one is that um, we've we've started to recognise that uh, first that all teaching is already leadership. True. Uh, so, so if if you're a teacher, um, you spend a lot of your time often. If you're an elementary teacher, primary teacher, leading little people rather than leading big people, and any person in business who says teachers ne need to get into the real world should try leading a class of little people for a couple <laughs> of days, and uh, then they'll pretty soon get to realise what the real world looks like. So, so first first of all, whether you think of it that way or not is. Um, accept as a teacher that, that you're already a leader and one of the most important leaders there is because you're really leading the creation of the generations of the future. Um, that, then we started to think about um, uh, two things that are related. Uh, one is, one is um, how do schools become places where teachers of all ages uh, can uh, take the initiative, um, can put forward things that they're passionate about. Until a few years ago, we had a career that was very weighted towards the top. Uh, mm. People at the top had got already got most of the positions of responsibility. There wasn't really much room to manoeuvre for people at the bottom. And uh, now the profession is moving on. 
uh, demographically. Uh, we're thinking in, in this time, uh, with all that we hope for for our students in terms of uh, more innovation, more engagement, more involvement of the whole child, more student voice, uh, we have to think about more, there's no point having more student voice if you don't have more teacher voice as exactly. well. So, so creating an environment not where you just hand out jobs to teachers, but, mm. but where teachers have chances to uh, develop projects, design innovations, network with other uh, teachers, uh, leave things that are of importance to them. So we're, we're thinking that that's what teacher leadership means yeah. uh, in terms of leadership of adults as yeah. well as leadership of kids. And then there's a third thing which is somewhat in tension with it. I know I said there were two things, but <laughs> there are actually three. You can um, add one more, it's okay. And, uh, uh, and the third thing that's in a bit of tension with it is that um, in, uh, in some countries things have been a bit flat with teaching for a few years. Sweden mm -hmm. is a very good example. The performance results have been uh, down. Teachers haven't been very engaged. There's been a negative environment. Uh, driven by testing and mm -hmm. uh, standardization. Um, we've been thinking about how to re-engage the teaching profession and uh, one way to do that has been to build more professional collaboration amongst teachers and uh, eventually of course you want everybody to take the lead on that but initially uh, you need somebody to take, take the lead on that and that is a job in mm -hmm. a way and that does require more recognition and responsibility uh, so we'll still also have formal positions of responsibility, but they'll look like more now than handing out materials and course packages and, uh, and things of that kind. The tension is, is, will always be between um, teacher leadership that is, is not listed as a job description yeah. and doesn't get remuneration yeah. and teacher leadership that is. And I think there's no right and wrong answer to it. I think we just have to see it as a tension and keep working with it in a way that the whole school and the whole profession is uh, happy with. Interesting. Yeah, we actually, we actually did a whole child symposium a couple of years ago um, with Peter DeWitt and Robin Jackson and some, um, uh, some other education leaders as well. And the same conversation it was on teacher leadership. Yeah. And the same conversation came up about by putting in structures and systems for teachers to become leaders, are we actually inventing or reinventing another problem and yeah. by inventing another system? Yeah. And so there was this ongoing tension in the discussion between you want to um, recognize the role of teachers and leadership, but you don't want to overly systematize yeah. it yeah. to allow it to be an organic yeah. process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is not an argument against structures, but it's because everything has a structure. Mm. Um, and uh, it's better that we design one deliberately rather than live with one by default. Exactly. That, that pushes us in, in the wrong direction. Uh, but, but there are some structures we need to be careful of. So I've, I've never really liked the term pipeline to think, mm. about, to think about leaders. It, it's another misused metaphor drawn from business and perhaps an area of business that environmentally we should be least enthusiastic about. Mm. Um, and the leadership pipeline implies that teacher leadership is something on the way to something else, that you're going to come out the end and, uh, and you're, you're in the middle of the pipeline somewhere when you're a teacher leader. And of course, it's, it's really better to think of these as pathways, probably mm. rather, than, rather than pipelines. And uh, Singapore, for example, formalizes it mm. in, a, in a way that's probably a bit too strict for some other systems, but you can follow a track to becoming um, 
an, out, an outstanding master teacher, which means a leader of other teachers, really. Uh, as a coach, as a mentor, as a, as a team leader, you can be a curriculum leader. Um, and uh, and you can uh, deliberately want to move on towards administration. You can change pathways anytime you like. You do that in relation to somebody who you meet with on a regular basis. Um, so th those are pathways. They're, they're still a bit strict, and there are a few of them. And um, we shouldn't use it, as you say, to discourage um, opportunities for many people to to be able and feel that they can step forward and lead the things that they're passionate about. Exactly. You know, it's always there are there are two ironies that that stick out in what um, you were saying. And the first one is, if if we want to develop these, um, you know, you can call them 21st century skills or more holistic um, skills of things like leadership and voice and ownership. Yeah then you're obviously going to have to have, give that back to the teachers in the classroom, yeah. in the school as yeah. well. You can't, you can't be teaching one thing but have a system which is exacerbating something else. Yeah. And, the, and the second thing that's always struck me as well is that, and not that I believe um, the 10,000 hour rule is necessarily um, uh, um, a great example, but it is true that the more you practice something, the more you get better at something, um, you start to excel. And the way that we have this pipeline currently is that you excel as a classroom teacher and then you have nowhere to go. Yeah. And then what you end up doing yeah. is being moved out of this, this, this area and this skill set where you are an expert and you're being expected to relaunch your career after, yeah. after becoming yeah. a master teacher, yeah. which always seems ironic. Yeah, we should uh, first of all think of not as teaching as a career, but as education as a career. Mm. Uh, so, so some outstanding teachers may go into um, into teacher training or mm. uh, staff development or mm. uh, they'll work with other teachers or leading networks or working in a uh, working in a school system or becoming a superintendent or a, a principal or working for a publisher and uh, making sure we get kind of better textbooks or social media so uh, first is it's really helpful I think if we see uh, not only teaching, as we talk about a medical profession, we don't talk about a doctor profession, mm. um, and there are many kinds of people in the medical profession, so there should always be uh, many options that teachers can follow and go mm. in and out of. Um, and uh, one thing we don't want is, is anybody in any occupation to feel that the only way they can progress is by doing something they really don't want to do. Exactly. And, uh, mm. and if they want to be have more, more and better ways to express their teaching and lead teaching, uh, we should help them find the maximum number of opportunities they can have to do that. Exactly. I like that little analogy about the medical profession, not the doctor profession. It makes, it makes perfect sense mm. when, you, when you say it. Now, you also have a book coming out um, this year, we hope. Uh, it will be uh, finished by the end of this year. Oh, that's um, a start. And there it, we will, are. it will come out, uh, so we're in the middle of writing it. And uh, the book is called uh, Leading from the Middle. Mm. And um, I can talk about this for a couple of minutes if, I think uh, you should. if uh, the listeners might be interested. Uh, so this, uh, this book is, um, is really, uh, really comes from practice and from uh, work we've done with uh, 10 school systems, 10 out of the 72 school systems in Ontario, Canada, uh, where it Okay, can we start again? Uh, you can cut. No, you just, yeah, yeah, we'll cut this off. Just go on. Okay. Yeah. 
So they, uh, the book really comes from work we've been doing with the 10 out of the 72 school districts in mm. Ontario, Canada. We, uh, a few years ago, helped them think about um, uh, how they had been implementing a strategy for special education inclusion. Mm. And um, the, the way the strategy was implemented was quite unusual, that, that at the system level, at the highest level, at the level of the province, which is like a state or a country, uh, then um, there wasn't really a detailed implementation or rollout strategy. There was a philosophy which was very much uh, universal design, and that is uh, what is essential for some kids is good for all kids. It was yep. very much a, a whole child uh, philosophy. And as far as we could, uh, catering for differences in the classroom through differentiated instruction and providing all kinds of uh, in-class and out-of-class support to enable uh, every classroom teacher to respond to that effectively, whether that was special education or particular kinds of, um, of language needs uh, or um, refugee status, immigration, mm -hmm. diversity, um, uh, bullying issues and so on. So. Uh, so there was a general philosophy and it was really the design was it was really up to the individual districts all 72 of them to figure out uh, what was their response to the particular kind of communities they had which might be um, a, uh, uh, an indigenous community it might be a refugee immigrant community but we had old order Mennonite almost like Amish <laughs> communities and how you respond to these things isn't, isn't the same. So people had to be able to respond to what were their, their own diversities. Mm. Um, but the, the expectation then was that districts connected with each other and there was an architecture for doing that. And that what they did was transparent in terms of participation and results. Mm. So you found solutions that fit your communities, but you're also engaged with other people's solutions and ideas. And you developed solutions and ideas that helped them. The only requirement was was that they were inclusive. They didn't segregate most kids into separate programs. Um, and uh, as far as possible, they 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 were meant to have an impact on uh, on equity and uh, narrowing achievement gaps and increasing senses of inclusion. Yeah. Um, they called it leading from the middle. Nice. Uh, it, it it was not. So all we've done is made made really practitioners ideas. Uh, more visible so that they can be moved around more easily and uh, what leading from the middle means it's not in the middle it's not a level it's not a tier it, it, it's not a stage of implementation that's mm. handed down mm. from someone at the top mm. to people at the bottom but it is people in the middle of the system uh, which might be a group of schools in a network or a group of districts working together um, actually doing the things that, that fit their community, um, moving their practice around and uh, making what they do transparent and taking collective responsibility for the success or failure of, uh, of what it is that they try out over time. Exactly, and it's really developing their own empowerment as well in, in not only what they're doing in terms of a system but what they're doing in terms of classroom instruction as well. Absolutely. You know, and, and developing ownership. Um, let's give you, you come from um, the Lynch School at Boston College and I, we're doing an event with, um, ASCD is doing an event with um, Boston College October 22, 23 because of a, a similar, you, you spoke about philosophy a couple of minutes ago around leading from the middle. But there is a common philosophy that the Lynch School has, that Boston College has, that ASCD has. So I wonder if you can speak for a minute or two about um, 
what the, what the educational rationale is at the Lynch School? Well, well, one of the things that uh, the Lynch School and uh, ASCD's whole child, whole person initiative shares in common is is, is something that's very new and something that's very old school, mm. actually. Mm. And uh, and it's an opportunity to bring these things uh, together. Um, what the Lynch School, as a Jesuit university, is is about is uh, disciplined inquiry, which mm. means. Um, uh, which means uh, being uh, rigorous in whatever field of study you you undertake, service to others. So the idea of uh, servant servant leadership, service leadership, is extremely mm. important. Uh, helping other communities, uh, people who have uh, less than mm. you have, giving mm. your time, your expertise, um, and social justice, um, and uh, social justice on on. Uh, many fronts which uh, include uh, uh, equity of uh, people having uh, a voice, uh, people being accepted and included uh, and engaged together in community. Um, the Whole Child Initiative which uh, ASCD I know has been pursuing and in many ways leading in the world for the last uh, 10 years has a lot of resonances with this and other um, mm. and other long-standing traditions which um, which, which value the cultivation of the whole person. Uh, the, the, the term that is used in, in Boston College is the formation. It's a mm. very European term, but it's mm. about that the purpose is not increased achievement results or even achievement itself. It is the formation of the person and the human being. And mm. if human beings become, become formed well, uh, with, a, with, a, with a moral purpose and able to interact in uh, communities and have sensitivity and regard and responsibility for others who don't always have the advantages that some of us do. Form the person well mm. um, and, and many of the other aspects of achievement will follow. Concentrate only on achievement yeah. and uh, you may have uh, very smart people who do wicked or despicable things and that's a world that we don't really want to be living in right now. You see this a very traditional philosophy in the lifelong learning uh, movement of uh, Europe. You yep. see it in the work of John Dewey, yep. Maria Montessori. Uh, it's not a completely new thing. I think what we bring to it recently is um, broader and broader thinking about what are 21st century skills, not only in a global economy, but in a global community yes. where we can um, learn how to be and learn how to live together. Mm. Um, and of course we're reacting to movements in both the US and the UK, uh, not all the UK but particularly England, uh, in the last uh, 20 years when we've probably overdone the tested achievement mm. aspects mm. Of, of what schools do to the detriment of things like physical exercise, uh, engagement uh, with, with nature, um, undertaking uh, projects of meaning and purpose that, that connect to the community and your life around you. So it's probably triggered by that kind of reaction, but it, it brings together very modern ways of thinking about 21st century skills broadly conceived, uh, with very old school ways of thinking that, that go back centuries at, at places like the tradition we have at Boston College. Yeah, and we, we, we say all the time that we didn't invent the term whole child at ASCD, it's been around for centuries if not millennia even. Yeah. But, but what we did start to do was put a bigger focus on it and put a framework around it. And really it comes down to, which I think is the same at the Lynch School, is always understanding 
about um, always questioning why do we have an education system. Because yeah. you know, if we do not have a good response about why we want to put our children through 12 years of schooling, mm. then why do we put our children through 12 years of schooling? Mm. And I think you're similar to me, which is we, we believe that we're developing um, citizens for the, the global world that we live in, mm. so that they're ready to be active citizens, mm. of which literacy and numeracy are a part, yeah. but they are only a part. No, no we, we want only people to feel fulfilled uh, mm. and to be fulfilled. Um, which sometimes is happy, sometimes it's not. Mm. Sort of things that make us feel fulfilled, like working for Doctors Without Borders, for example. Mm. Um, uh, that uh, don't always every minute and every second make us feel happy. But, mm. but, mm. but the, the sense of uh, contribution and of uh, testing yourself to the limit in the service of others is, um, is, is one of the greatest things that can, that can be in life. So being fulfilled and being useful mm. and being being accomplished given whatever talents you have, whether you're born with them, whether you get them from your parents, whether uh, where, wherever they are, that you can bring these talents to the fore in a way that gives you just the satisfaction of mastery. Mm. Um, whether it's a musical instrument or running a marathon or being brilliant at calculus as mm. an economist, uh, a sense of mastery and then in the purpose of something in the service of something meaningful and important, uh, whether you're a joiner, a plumber, um, uh, working in a in a restaurant, or working in the White House, the mm. same rules apply. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Well, this has been very enjoyable, Andy. Thank you, Sean. Enjoy today's podcast. Then don't forget to subscribe. We're on SoundCloud and iTunes.